Hollywood Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And Miro, the best man of AEW, is here. And you know he's talking about uh, being fired from WWE, signing with AEW. He'll tell you how everything went down from Rusev Day to that last WWE angle with Bobby Lashley to the time he got in trouble for cutting his hair to the text message he got just after the pandemic hit that led to his release. Miro's also got stories about his meeting, uh, about meeting his idol, Hulk Hogan, working with John Cena, learning to cut promos, the creative freedom at AEW, and the best man gimmick. He's also talking about his real-life wife, Lana, uh, what it's like working in AEW while she's still at WWE. The best man, Miro, is coming up. And guess what's happening on Thursday? Winnipeggers are coming to you live, 9 p.m. Eastern, on my Facebook page and YouTube channel. First time ever we're going to be live. Uh, so uh, me and Ribo and Dave Spivak can bring you the hilarity of the Idiot Olympics. We asked you guys for Idiot Olympic events, and you suggested a bunch. Uh, holding your breath, uh, who can make the scariest face, who can act the most scared, putting as many uh, hard-boiled eggs in your mouth at a time, lots of great shenanigans such as that. So come join us uh, for the Idiot Olympics live on Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern, on my YouTube channel and Facebook page. Here uh, with the AEW's newest recruit, uh, Miro. Just Miro. Just Miro. Like just like Bono and Cher and yeah, I like Seal. I like Seal. <laughs> Kids from a rose. Because <laughs> you, what's your last name for real? Barnyashit. That's pretty good too. My first name is actually Miroslav. M I R O S L A V. Gotcha. But that name, it's very, it's short. Every time in Bulgaria, you just use Miro. It's mm-hmm. easier. So I thought it's easier for. All my American compadres to say it. <laughs> to say, yeah, Barnashev might be hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like, a, like you said, like a hockey player, like a Russian hockey player or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking about last night. We went to the uh, the Jaguars game here in Jacksonville. And just how much fun it was just to be at a live football game with the with yeah. the crew. Yeah, it was so much fun. It, it actually reminded me the time when you took us to the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. That's right. Remember? Yeah. Because Chris, of course, if you guys don't know, Chris has all the connections. <laughs> so we got done with this live event one time years ago, and he took us straight to the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert in a, in a, in a suite. Yeah. With drinks and everything. We saw, I think, uh, somebody got hurt. Yeah. The lead singer. Uh, what's his name? Anthony. Anthony. He got hurt. He went backstage. I saw him. They taped his ankle. That's right. He came back. He sang. Yeah. Well, the, the story with that is we were uh, at a, some small little town and we were in Tulsa for Raw on Monday and mm-hmm. the Peppers were there on Sunday. Yeah. So I, I have a connection with the Peppers with Chad Smith, the drummer, but then also, too, we had a connection because we were in the building the next day. Mm-hmm. So the combination of the two got us in that suite. That was a blast. I just remember you were so excited because you love music clearly. Yes. And you, I remember you were filling out the set list because you were just watching because you were saying that they don't play the same songs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you were so excited. You would check the set list and you would just like fill it up yourself. And uh, (laughs) I was just so amazed by you were there having fun with the boys, but at the same time you were taking notes and you're doing all these things. Mm. Which you always stood up with me, man. You're such a smart guy. (laughs) Well, speaking of being smart, you made a very smart move in my opinion, of, of coming here to AEW. And like you said, we, we were together in, in WWE for years, mm-hmm. and uh, you did good there, but then suddenly, you know, you didn't. So kind of tell us a little bit about the journey that brought you here to, to AEW. The journey was, uh, boy, I kind of knew I was going to come here, honestly. Mm-hmm. I knew when AEW first started, I was very unhappy. I wasn't happy because I knew I could give a lot more than what they were using me. 
and that's all I wanted. Like I never wanted, I never pushed myself to be any kind of champion. I just wanted to give me the opportunity to excel. And the most disheartening thing was, I feel like I excelled in every single opportunity they gave me, but somehow that was still not enough. And I'm a very competitive person. I grew up playing sports. And it's in my mind, it's if you do better, you should get on top, right? But I got to this point, it's like, what am I doing all this? I'm doing all these, killing myself to a degree to go nowhere. And it was just very frustrating. And I knew that I knew I needed a new challenge. And when the whole pandemic thing happened and when they let me go, I was not discouraged at all. I knew right away. I knew it was meant to be. I knew when the time is right, I'm going to come to AEW. And I believe I talked to you. And uh, you said, um, I mean, later on, you said, let's bring you in, but let's have something for you. It's not just, let's not, let mm. you not be just here for the sake of being here, which you make a lot of sense. And I was so happy. Everything, the timing, the best man, everything worked with such a perfection because it was just meant to be. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I remember you reached out to me about a year ago or so and said, like, hey, do you think I could come to AEW? And I said, well, how long is your contract? And you told me whatever, two years or yeah. three years. And I was like, yeah, they're not going to let you go. And you're like, why not? I'm like, they're not going to let you go, dude. There's no way. And you're like, well, if I just ask them, they'll let me go. I'm like, it doesn't work that way now. Well, so I did ask, I think about three years ago, I did ask. Because it was another situation. It was just unhappy. And I talked to one person. The next day, that conversation was on the dirt sheets. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very like, and this was the problem. Like, who you go to? Yeah. Who do you turn to? When you're down, when you need an advice, when you need somebody to be like, hey, man, you'll be okay. You have nobody because they're all stooges. Some, mm-hmm. Somehow it always leaks out and it just you don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel safe, you don't know where to turn to, then you're naked out there. And thank God I have my wife and she has me. And we always kind of like when I'm distressed, you know, it's back yeah. and forth. But at the end of the day, man, you need somebody that you can be, hey, this is not okay. Who do I talk to? There's nobody. Mm-hmm. So when you got released, were you surprised? Did you? Because did, did, to me, that seemed very shocking. That that of all the guys released, Gallows and Anderson as well, and you, right. I was like, really? Yeah. Like all the guys that are there, and I'm not gonna say names. But there's some f- guys that, that totally suck, yeah. and all three of you guys don't fit in that category. But they were like you; they didn't really know what to do with you at yeah. that point. Were you were you surprised? How'd you hear about it? What'd you think? So I was at a vet. I was taking my dog. And then I knew that it was happening because I saw things, some of the boys and I texted the boys. But then I was thinking, I was thinking the last match I had on TV, I, saw, I knew that that was my last match. Who was it against? It was me and Umberto, uh, Umberto Carrillo. Yes, yeah. young kid against Garzaga and Bobby. The match started, we were supposed to go over. Next thing you know, I'm losing. Next thing you know, now Garzaga is beating me. Who is? Uh, the other guy. Garza? Andrew, yeah, Garza. Garza sorry. Gotcha, Not gotcha. Bobby, which is even the feud. It's the other guy. Right. Which I also I already have no wins. Again, none of these people, right? So it don't matter. I'm a professional. Cool. Whatever you want to do, that's what we do. So there comes the finish, a roll-up. The instructions was for him to leave the ring. Next thing you know, I see the ref goes to his ear. Next thing you know, Andrew goes up to the corner and raises his hand while I'm in the ring setting a roll-up. And I turn around on the back of my eye and I see what's happening. I'm like, you, I'm not going to say a bad word. I just charged them and beat the f- 
out of him. Oh, sure. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just saw him there and it just my eyes turned red because I knew, I knew what they were trying to do. And Kishi always told me, you got to protect yourself. Nobody's going to look after you. Mm-hmm. And I just went there and I started like clubbing him and he rolled out. And I broke Joey Mercury's rule, which is if you're baby face and you lose, you never raise your hand. But I just so wanted to stick it up to everybody and say, I don't f- matter who wins or loses because I am Miro. And I just raised my hands and that was it. Mm-hmm. I came to the back. Vince said he's going to give me a bonus. Give you a bonus? He said he's going to give me a bonus because, oh, they're trying to bury you out there. You really took care of yourself. They? Yeah. Yeah. It's him. Yes. Yes. They're not going to do shit without somebody yes. telling them. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, okay. He's like, this is exactly what I need to see. You're very aggressive. Good stuff. And that was your bonus. That was my bonus. Wow. Yeah. So did you get a call or email? I got a text, text message uh, the day of. They said, Miro, we need to talk. I actually had the feeling. So I wanted to call Carano. I was like, should I text him? But I was at the vet. I was like, okay, I'll take care of the dogs first. And the next thing you know, I got a text message. Hey, we need to talk. I was like, right. I knew right away. So I called him. He told me I'm so sorry. And I really lashed out for five minutes. Did you? I did. I did lash out yeah. because there's just so much. Mm-hmm. It's been so much over the years. And I mean, I don't know. Well, well, whatever. I was getting some with the boys around because we were not okay about this, how everybody was treated in the pandemic situation. We just felt, we've, we felt scared to go to work. And once again, it was probably 10 of us talking. Somebody leaked it to the office. From us, 10 people, they were talking. Somebody leaked it to the office and to the dirt sheets. And uh, once that happened, I knew right away they are going to fire me. Because mm-hmm. they're going to blame it all on me, of course. Of course, right? Yeah. Because I'm the, the guy. And, but it doesn't matter. They fired me. I lashed out because I think we're on the path of doing something good because I do want to protect the boys. We all wanted to protect the boys and the girls. They didn't work out, and that's why I felt like they cut me underneath because I was just so angry, man. I was just so angry because seeing everybody's... I don't even want to go because I'm just going to get so upset. Mm-hmm. But it don't matter. At the end of the day, I got fired. I went home. I didn't tell my mother. You didn't tell your mother? I didn't. I wanted her to be... Because she was going to get worried and all that, but I had not, not a single worry. Not at all. I knew it. I knew everything is timing. They think it sucks. They think they're doing me dirty because of the pandemic, but that's not true at all because I'm going to wait my three months. I'm going to talk to you guys. I know I'm f- good. So it's not like I'm not a scrub. I know I'm going to I'm going to get work. And that's what happened. I contacted AEW. They contacted me. I had a few offers before there from different places. But I knew. I knew AEW was the place. Mm-hmm. I still think it is, and I think it always will be. When everybody got released because there was a bunch of guys, you know, 15 guys or whatever it was, I was asking Tony, like, what do you think of – are you interested in any of these guys? And if I can reach out, I will. And you, you, were the, you were the one name out of all of them that was mentioned. He thought a little bit about one of the other brothers, but you were the one for mm-hmm. sure. And you know, asked me my advice, and like I told you, it's like, yes, I totally vouch for him. Great guy, you know, great worker. He's, he could be way better, and he will be mm-hmm. with us. Yeah. But let's not just have him come here and just hang out. We've got so many guys in the roster. There has to be a – a place for you mm-hmm. and like you said with the with the best man it's perfect and, and yeah. it goes so far beyond i was thinking about it a couple days ago it's such a great idea even if you aren't with kip and you like if it, you can be the best man miro yeah. Yeah. like you said like mr perfect you can do feats of incredible things because yeah. you're the best man you know? i am <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i am the best man i was i was also lucky that i met mr khan a couple of times 
he came backstage at a live event one time. Shad, uh, or Tony Khan? Tony Khan, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He came backstage in WWE? He came yeah. WWE backstage uh, maybe five years ago. He brought a whole bunch of swag because we were in Jacksonville. I was there. Yeah, yeah. He, we he, he always bugs me because I didn't take one. I'm like, yeah, I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> I have about six shirts in my house. Uh, I did that, and then I think Jacksonville came to Nashville to play the Titans. So my father-in-law, he's a pastor, but he's also a huge football fan. So I contacted Tony, and Tony gave us tickets. It was me, my father-in-law, and I had an extra ticket, so I took my Uber driver with us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was there. Why not? So we came, and Tony like brought us to sidelines, and we stayed there. We met people. It was a beautiful experience, and I got to know him better. And see, he's a good guy. He's really inspired. And he's so smart. And yes. And I think they're kind of connected, and maybe, especially when you said a good word for me, uh, we made the thing happen. What are some of the different? I mean, you've only been here a couple weeks, but what are some of the differences that you notice right out of the gate? Right out of the gate. Nobody's running backstage. Nobody's sweating backstage. Nobody's having a heart attack backstage. <laughs> uh, nobody's nervous. Uh, there is no pressure. There is pressure, but it's not the pressure that somebody's putting on you. Mm -hmm. You put in the pressure on yourself. Because, good pressure. Yeah, because you want to be the best. Mm -hmm. Not because you're afraid that somebody's going to yell at you. Now the motivation is completely different. Um, clearly, you know, the, the talking segments are, are something that comes from inside of you. It's not four pages they need to memorize. And there are four drafts or six drafts during the day that they come in WWE. Here, you have the bullet points. And you say, hey, man, what, what do you want to say? What do you feel? And then go out there and say it. You know, and, and thanks to you, I always say, and I'm not kissing your ass by any means, but you're the best at the promo situation. That's why I always want to come and, and ask for you for your advice. And you can tell me the words, but I need to find that inside me again. So it's not just the words. And that's why I feel like sometimes people don't understand. They need to understand. They need to remember the moves and the words, and they're going to be great. Mm -hmm. But that's not how these business work, because they can teach monkey how to freaking do moves. Mm -hmm. It, it, that's not how the business is. Tell the story about when you came in this room to tell me about your promo, what we wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, so I came, I came to the room. I knocked. It was probably 10 minutes before. I'm like, Chris, do you have a second? He's like, I am next. I'm like, oh, no. He's like, come on, come on, come on. It's not going to take forever. <laughs> yeah. So he took me in, and I told him, this is what I want to say. And you then cut me off in the middle. I was saying about the brass ring, the brass ring you said right away. Were you, what was the exact words? You grab their brass ring and shove it up your ass. You said it straight. Like, I was just not even complete with my promo. And I was like, Why, can I say that? Do I, ask for, uh, do I ask for forgiveness after? He's like, and you looked at me straight in my eyes with the most calm voice. Said, no, dude, you can do whatever you want. It's a good promo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the key word is, it is a good promo. It's not a shot at anybody out of place, out of time. It's a good promo that told the complete story that I wanted to say in a more calmed down version, but we needed that kick. And you knew we needed that kick. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's why I'm so thankful for your input. That was so funny because the look on your face was like of like the smiling but kind of surprised, like yeah. almost the naughty kid who's taking a cookie. Hey, like, can I say that? I, said, I yes. said on WWE television one time, I said ass. 
and I felt like a bad boy for months. <laughs> I'll be going to my wife. I said ass last night, and I was just like showing off. And now I say this, and it's 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 such a different vibe. You know, I remember it was actually here um, last year. It was the, the we had a pay per view, and I was coming up to do a promo to set up the following match, or whatever the hell I was doing. And um, uh, it was fight for the fall. It was a special before we started weekly TV. And I went to the ring for this promo, and it was the first promo that I'd cut on TV, on live TV, and. 20 years with no script, oh, no approval, oh, no right. anything, right? And I remember like being a little bit nervous, like, all right, Jericho, everyone says you're a great promo. Do you remember how to do a promo just with nothing? Yeah. And I went out there and did it. And I, it was one of those things where I just felt so good afterwards. Because like you just said, there's, it was so liberating to not really know what I was going to say, but also to have the confidence like, dude, you got it, man. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you can do this. This is what yeah. you do. And that was where the real breaking point was for me from the way of the old. And once again, not bearing WWE, it's just the way they do things. Right. It's fine. But the way of the old to the way of the now, that was the the defining moment for me, the bridge where I was like, okay, this is a whole different world here. Mm -hmm. Do you feel now... Ever since you're good, you're back on track. You have no worries. Not yeah, to I mean, I'll write some notes down, right. but it's all you know. Just to keep if I think of some good ideas, I write them down so I don't forget them, mm-hmm. and then kind of shape it and put it together, go through it in my head what I'm going to say. But right. nobody ever asks. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. no one ever says a word, and it you know it maybe once in a while for a backstage pre-tape if we do something, Tony might have a suggestion or something like that. But as far as the live promo goes, you know. You can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. And I even did that with Private Party last week with, with Isaiah and with um, and with Quinn, with Mark. It was their first ever live promo, mm. ever. In WWE, that would have been over-rehearsed, over-written. Right. So they, would, they wouldn't have known what the hell to do. Right. I said, dude, just take your time. Yeah. Be cool. Talk to me. Don't worry about anything else. And it worked out great. So they get a feeling of what it's like to cut a promo, too. Mm-hmm. You know, It is a nerve-wracking for sure. I remember when we did the Jericho segment on, on WWE. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked to you before that again because we were not happy with something in the promo. You're like, man, if you feel so strong, I agree. Just go and talk to Vince because you're always you always been so open to changes if it's for the better. And I remember getting out there, you start singing uh, Lana and Rusev kissing on a tree, <laughs> and it, which was not in the promo clearly. And I almost I was, I had to bite my lips not to <laughs> laugh because you know I'm Russian and I'm not supposed to <laughs> yeah. show any emotion. It was so hard, uh, but watching it back, man, it was it was just. I remember that because I was we didn't have a lot of interactions in WWE, but yeah. but I remember like we did a lot of improv out there, and both you and and, and Lana did a great job of just kind of following along. Because yeah. even last week with Private Party, I did some improv, hoping that it wouldn't throw them off their game, but it was just right to mm-hmm. say certain things, mm-hmm. and they were cool. I was like, you don't have to worry about it; just let me riff. And you know, you, you just gotta trust each other. But I remember that it was that was a highlight reel in Detroit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's Detroit. right. Oh, it was so fun. <laughs> but promos are so fun because the same as matches. Because sometimes you may have all these plans, but you never know what can come out of it. Right. Somebody says something, the crowd reacts. Now, why would you let this thing go? You can go with it mm-hmm. and have fun with that. The same with a match. It's and, and and that's why people with promos. It's such a particular skill. Then. It's so hard. It's so hard, but you gotta trust yourself. You gotta trust how good you are with words and instinct and listening and applying. And it can become like a good promo could be so much, can tell you so much more than a match mm-hmm. if executed right. That's why promos are so important. Especially for you too, because I, I forget talking because you speak obviously perfect English, and the fact you're you know you're cutting these promos with this emotion and in another language. I mean that's pretty that's pretty pretty cool that, that to be able to do that. Well, thank you, know? you sir. Thank you. I 
I loved I, I loved English lesson ever since I was third grade when I started learning because I knew I was going to come to America. I knew my dream was to become a wrestler. So. Even at third grade? Oh, yeah. I saw Hogan. I saw Hogan when I was six. I saw one of them tapes, VHS tapes, and I said I wanted to be like him. And it just stuck with me my whole mm-hmm. life. It's funny because Kevin Owens is the same. He learned English because of and from wrestling, yeah. you know, being being from Montreal. You have to do what you got. to. I, I remember listening to Tupac and getting the big dictionary to open to see what it says or Jim Ross or whatever it is because – we didn't have no dictionary. There's no internet at that time. Everything was just like manual. And now I feel like kids maybe they don't know how to open books. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, you're right about so that. So the iPads and stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But. We've talked about Lana a few times. Now, how is it now? She's there. You're here. Interesting uh, situation. Interesting because we're so used to being around each other mm-hmm. 24-7 since – 2013 we've been together 99 percent of the time mm-hmm. always so now it's a little bit different dynamic but we both understand it, it's part of our jobs are we happy no we're not i mean we're happy we just hate being away from each other yeah. because we just love each other so much but luckily enough we don't work constantly all the time we're not on the road five days a week so we still have time to come home and reunite and we i'm pretty sure we're gonna get a house here in florida we can both like sit for most of the time and you guys live in nashville now right la and nashville I we kind of spend time yeah. but now that nashville is all close to jacksonville and to orlando it's just a one-hour flight mm-hmm. Why la you gotta fly all mm-hmm. day so i think nashville would be way more uh, accessible you know it's, it's fun because she like you know when when i left WWE, you know, there's some people that you miss you know like i mentioned a few she was one of them. Like she was so much fun because even overseas, you'd go to bed and she'd still stay out. Like always. me and her, and, and I think Neville would always stay out too. He didn't even drink, but he was always the last guy there, just hanging out. Like let's just have one more drink, and it's like yeah, let's do it. Like she's a yeah. she's a she's a cool chick, man. She's fun. she loves she loves learning. She loves mm-hmm. being around you because she can learn. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're a cool dude, and she can learn about not just about wrestling though, you, from so much more, and and just being downstairs and interacting with the people you can. There's so much more that you can get. You don't have to necessarily sit down and just freaking drink all night mm-hmm. or all day. There's a lot of good things that can come out these late nights. And I think her job, well, yeah, she would have fun, but she also trying to pick people's brains. Well, that's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the, like, back in the, in the old days, it would be driving with, with guys. Mm-hmm. Now we don't really drive anywhere because we only do the show. And especially now we've been in Jacksonville for six months and we'll probably be here another six months. Who knows? So, so the the new version of driving in the car is hanging out after the show. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we go to the to the place and go hang out, and everyone just sits around and tells stories. You know, yeah. and and talks and exchanges experiences. Who did you learn the most from? Who did you pick the brain the most? It's really hard because you know I've been around for so long, like thirty years, mm-hmm. that it was the different stages of where I was. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was working indies in Calgary, there was a guy called Jerry Morrow who we learned a lot from. Very famous guy in that area in Calgary. And then as you move forward, I mean, Negro Casas in Mexico taught me a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, Shawn Michaels taught me a lot. And, you know, um, as you progress, different right. people that you meet, you know, Arn Anderson, you know, I learned a lot from Dean Malenko. And so I learned a lot from Vince, yeah. Pat Patterson, yeah. Pat Patterson, Pat Patterson and Vince, but more Vince about, like you said, not just wrestling lessons, but life lessons and how to, how to, be be a star. Mm-hmm. Um, how how to listen instead of talk yeah. all the time. But Pat taught me about psychology more than anybody else that I've ever been around. Yeah, you know, it's so important psychology. You can make or break a match. Absolutely, 
And that's what I feel like more. And again, it's different styles. I understand that. But the psychology is still a psychology. You can you, you can use this as such a weapon. Mm-hmm. And and when I say the style, it's like I've said that a couple of times over the past few weeks. But I feel like professional wrestling, and you tell me if you disagree, professional wrestling is like martial arts. It's so when you look at martial arts, they have different divisions of martial arts, different, uh, you know, karate, judos, and yes. that kind of stuff. So I feel like pro wrestling is the same way when you have your strong style, you have your lucha libre, you have your sports entertaining with WWE, you have all these different styles around the world. But what the beautiful thing about AEW is, is they let you execute your style. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, if you come to Japan, okay, work our style, WWE style. No, you come from Japan, you work your Japanese style. Yeah. You work, you come from Mexico, you work that. And that's what the beautiful thing about AEW is you see all these different styles from all over the world. It's like blood sport coming in and combining and, and creating this huge event week to week basis with these four, five, six, ten star matches. I don't know whatever Meltzer writes on these days. While on the other side, and I hate to say I'm not bearing WWE by any means. They just have one style, one formula. That's it. While here you have everything. Yeah. And it's and that goes for NXT as well. It's the same formulaic match. Anywhere you watch, if you see that WWE logo, it's like you said, you know exactly what kind of a match you're going to get. Yeah. And there's a couple guys that execute it differently, but it's pretty much always the same pattern. Right. You know, right. right. We don't have that here. And like you said, and, and we, we don't expect that. Like, obviously, if you work with me, I'm going to have my certain way of doing things. Mm-hmm. But it's always with the intention of letting you be you, whoever yeah. it may be. Just let me throw it through my, you know, my, my filing cabinet here. And then let's make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things that you see sometimes, though. A guy will come in, you know, like, a guy like Keith Lee, for example. He's known for being a very agile, big guy, flips and flops. And there's a place for that. But in WWE, there's, there's none of it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do anything mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. It kind of takes away the individuality of, of, of the it performers. You it, know? it becomes one dive a night, one drop kick a night. Yeah. But that's what I'm known for. Mm-hmm. And now you're taking that away from me. What am I supposed to do? Like, it's so much limited for how can one get over. While if they want you to get over, you can pretty much take your pants off. Nobody cares. That's right. And and that's why I think it's it, the unfairity comes from there. Because it's not predetermined finish. It's predetermined success. Mm-hmm. Now, you know who's going to be on top. But I want to get on top because I work hard. Because even you don't think I deserve it, the numbers show it. The merch show it. My work shows it. I'm a nice guy. What is it working against me? Because in any sports, if I kill my ass in training, if I go first, they'll give me the biggest prize. While I'm in there, it's not like that. And that's what killed me the most. Well, and that's what I don't understand because when, when, I, when I look at you, I just look at you. I mean, you must have gained about 20 pounds of, of muscle. Uh, not that you were ever not massive, but you kind of are the the epitome of what Vince likes. You're a big guy. You're a good looking guy. You're easily coachable. You can do a promo. You come in with, with, with your wife who's gorgeous. She can do a promo. Like it really worked. What happened? What, what, what went down to stop that? Literally, I have no idea. It's so crazy. I have no, I, I've never, I've never had, had heat with anybody. I remember the one time they had heat was about the wedding. But that was not our fault either. What was the wedding? Uh, when me and CJ got engaged. Mm-hmm. 
they said that we leaked the pictures, which is not true at all. Oh, in real life when you got in engaged, real life. Gotcha. So we were in an angle, me and Summer against uh, CJ, uh, Lana. And, and, and Dolph, Dolph, right? Yeah. And the one summer, they just, we did get engaged, but she sent that picture to the office and to some of the girls. To, it's her happiest day of her life. Yeah. She's getting engaged. Somebody leaks that. And they blame her. Mm. They blame me. I do jobs for six months. Our story gets canceled that night. Really? That night. We're in Chicago. I remember it. Because I was supposed to win the IC title. We were supposed to get married with, with Summer. They nixed it that night. I went and talked to Vince. He's like, well, TMZ, it's like, it's like CNN. It's like world news. Everybody knows it's true. I'm like, what? Who gives a shit? Exactly. This it's isn't real. Exactly. It's like if we were on a sitcom, if this was Friends, and, you know, you're dating, you know, freaking, you know, Jennifer Anderson, and you're really married to Courtney Cox, who, you know, if you're dating Jennifer Anderson on the show, and you're married to Courtney Cox in real life, who cares? Vince. Somebody must have gotten his head about that, you know? I don't know. I don't know, but it was really like... So he said because it was on TMZ, that's like CNN. And it's then like CNN. It's like world news. Everybody would know we can't go against it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So CJ did nothing for a long time, and I was doing jobs forever. Let's talk about the, a couple of the peaks that you had there, because I always think back to me, like, and I, and I don't think I was even there at the time. One of your biggest moments was WrestleMania. Was it WrestleMania with Cena? Yeah, yeah, 31. With, with the tank. Yeah, yeah. That was killer oh it was a killer like talk about that angle working with john and then that entrance is still one of the best in, in wrestlemania history so again fortune if you will and i didn't even know i don't remember that thank god for cj she remembers everything she reminded me that originally we were supposed to work cena at SummerSlam instead of mania and after that, it was supposed to kibosh me from there but i think brian I think he hurt his head or his neck whatever it was brian danielson yes daniel bryan so okay, he was out right. And that moved everything to me and Cena at Mania. Was he the champ? Cena? Yeah. No, Cena okay. wasn't. So I, was, I was the U.S. champ. Okay. I became later the U.S. champ. Gotcha. But they had a plan. They had a plan. And that was the good thing about WWE. They had a plan and they stuck to it, which it paid off because you protected me for so long. And I think one time, I think it was me and Jake, actually, we had a pay-per-view match. And Vince didn't want me to lose at all. No pins, no submissions, nothing. But I think they couldn't figure out the way out of the match, and I had to hit him with a flag, and it was a DQ. And it counted against me losing. Mm. And I remember my producer. I remember him, Vince, getting up from his chair. I was told that from the producer. Go up to him and said, thank you for f***ing up the kid's career, or something like that. And he's like, what? Who's the producer? It doesn't okay, matter. Not <laughs> it doesn't matter. But, but, but it's Vince knows the finish. He had to approve it. Once again, I don't know. But that didn't mean anything because then the producer goes out the, later on that night. He's like, oh, ho, 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 I was just kidding. Oh, ho, ho. You know how he is. Yeah, of course, of course. So this was the first, I don't know if it's a miss up or whatever. But then we worked. We worked. We got to Royal Rumble when I got second after Roman was there. We were in Philly and everybody was chanting my name. But they were chanting just because they don't like Roman. Yeah. That's all. I, yeah. knew, I know that. Yeah. Uh, but then The Rock came in and they finally threw me out. And then backstage, we started working with, with Cena on a backstage interview. We kind of butted heads. And we started ever since then. And I think that's the most blessed time of my career because, I mean, you know, you work John. And mm -hmm. He's so good, man. Mm -hmm. He's just so good. And just 
what's your four moves? This, 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 and this. I'll see you there. Yeah, he calls everything in the ring. People don't know that about Cena. That's a very, very rare thing yeah. in this day and age. Yeah. And and he, he will always make it good. Mm-hmm. Always will make it good. It doesn't matter if there are 500 people, 10,000, or 80,000. He will make it good. He will work hard. At the end of the day, everybody's going to be cheering, cheering, cheering Cena, and everybody's going to be loving him. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. And it just was so blessing day in and day and night of going in. And now, okay, why did we do this here? Why didn't we do it here? And he would say, listen, okay, punch, now wait. Okay, ready? Now go. Like, he would just say, and now you have to, oh, this is why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And then you go backstage and, John, do you mind if I ask you why? And he tells you. All you got to do is just remember. Yeah. Listen, be coachable, and remember. And that's how I think I elevated myself the most. It's just because listening and applying. That's all it is. So tell us about, about your engines when you get, to, yeah. when you get so, there. Me and CJ were always, we were just messing around. Of kind of in our in our minds thinking, oh, what if we have an army and we have the flag and the anthem and and the guns and the tank? We were just we were just talking among among ourselves, and I don't know if we manifested, but then three days before WrestleMania, they call us to go to the stadium for rehearsal. I said, great. I take CJ. We go. They didn't want to let us in the stadium because I didn't have credential. <laughs> but before they changed the poster, they changed the poster because my face was on the big WrestleMania poster. And then next thing they move, they cha- they take it out. I don't know why. Hmm. They took my face out. Hmm. But it doesn't matter. So we get there and I see this tank. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And they're like, well, this is for you. I'm like, f*** out of here. <laughs> I didn't believe him. <laughs> and then I found out my friend hit me up. He's like, man, they're looking for Russian soldiers for your entrance. They're looking for extras. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he sends me the ad or whatever it was. He had long hair, so he cut his hair so he can be in the entrance. He's my first manager, Marcus Mack. We started back in 2008 or whatever it was. He is from Finland. He speaks Finnish. I'm Bulgarian, but people don't know. So he was six Finnish, and I'm like, <laughs> And the next thing you know, we're together at WrestleMania 31. He's been one of my soldiers. It was just a beautiful moment, and the tank... I was kind of upset because the tank left before the queue. It was supposed to be the my music, then the tank, and that didn't happen. I was like, no, wait, wait, but nobody waits because yeah. there's a whole bunch of... And then the tank moved, and I remember, I'm going to take my sweet time because I want to live in this moment. Mm-hmm. And when I got to that tank, when I got up, I just stared at everybody. Just, It's like you've made it in a sense. Right. Like, oh, yeah. this, is, this is my moment. This is what I lived for. And then the match happened and just seeing my mom and dad in the front crying and being so happy. And CJ, had, she had a lot of pressure because that bump she had to take off the apron. And 10 people. So, the, the, so what did she have to do? The final spot was I'm charging Cena. He moves. I hit her. She dives off the apron, lands, and, you know, crash and burn. Probably 10 or 15 people, including Vince McMahon that day, went to her and say how important that bump is. Wow. And if she doesn't do it good, she's going to kill everything. She's oh, my gosh. Everything. Yes. 15 people. It's a lot of first people WrestleMania. killing your career. Yes. <laughs> 15 people, first WrestleMania, and she's like owing her head. And, of course, she did great. Uh, I know that. Uh, but, yeah, that was my first WrestleMania that, I mean, I'll remember it forever, clearly, because, yeah, it was fantastic. 
Well, especially since, like you said, growing up wanting to be in WWE and fo- you know following Hulk Hogan, who's kind of the king of WrestleMania for so many years. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good uh, way yeah. to make your WrestleMania debut. The tapes were that I know that I watched when I was a kid. They were not even called WrestleMania. They were called Hulkamania. Mm. It was all about Hogan, man. Yeah. But he was such a such an inspirational character when you were a kid. There, because there I am dreaming of America. Because I always watched American movies and. There's this guy who talks about God and vitamins, and he's jacked and tanned, and he goes out there and he whoops ass. He gets beat, but he's always overcoming. Like, what, such a beautiful story. And, and that's why I love Hogan. There's no way I cannot love Hogan. And, and now having him chatting with him, telling me stories about him and The Rock and him and stuff. Him texting me, yeah. That's oh cool. man, it's the it's the happy. Every time I see HH on my phone texting me, I'm like, my well, smile. I'm the same. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm not from Bulgaria, but I'm from Canada. Same thing. I grew up as a Hogan fanatic, and yeah, I met him a couple times in, in WCW, obviously, and he was always really cool to me. I remember the first time I ever really had any interaction because everyone was it was different there. Like the guys are ill, kind of were on their own and. But we were at the airport once. It was really crowded lineup, and I was at the end of the line. And he's like, "What are you doing, brother?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, just wait." He goes, "Come, come with me. Bring me to the front counter." He's like, "Yeah, good, good. checking in there. And I check him in. He's my little brother." And so she checks him. And he goes, and "Can you give him a little upgrade, Ski?" <laughs> if you got anything, only if you got anything. And he, he's got the kid's been working his ass off. He's hurt, so they got me the upgrade too. And I was like, oh, well, "I'm a Hulk Hogan's little brother." He's such a brother. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying, man. Hogan is such a brother. Like, mm-hmm. people don't know that. They don't. But when he's backstage, he's just one of us. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you the stories about Japan, how much money he made, where he went, what he trained, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. He's got no... And I got to pose with him. Like, in one of the roles, my first, when I first came back, the last run, I got to do the whole posing thing. And I was like, this is... In the it. ring with him? That's yeah, cool. in the ring, on the stage. I'm yeah. like, if you fire me now, I'm okay. <laughs> I lived my dream. I met the dream. I met the woman of my life my idol that I wanted to be like fire me perfect yeah and they did <laughs> <laughs> see you talk about manifesting, <laughs> manifesting. you manifested the tank and then you I got did. fired too I did yeah I, I, it was cool like I never got to do the pose with, with him because I was always a heel but I worked with him a bu- like a bunch of times probably 10-15 times <sighs> I'd say his last great match was against me and I think it was on Raw in Pittsburgh or Smackdown and it got to the point where where he would just show up and he, and, uh, he, he always has a case of beer for the house shows. And he'd walk in and he'd go, you got me tonight, brother? I'm like, yeah, I'll put it together and I'll let you know. He's like, whatever you want to do. And that was it. And I just put together whatever it was and I had him, you know, hit the ropes for the leg drop, sweep his leg for the walls of Jericho. And you can you give me a superplex from the second rope? And, oh, it's going to be a big one, but let's do it, buddy. And, like, he got so excited to be working with somebody yeah. that was, you know, but – like you said, just a great experience for, for you and for I in different, in different ways. Let's talk about another huge moment in your career, which, of course, was the famous Rusev Day. Mm. Uh, kind of go through that a little bit. Rusev Day. This is when you had uh, Aiden English Aiden. singing you to the ring, right? Aiden yeah. and then CJ later on. Yeah. So everything started. I had a shoulder surgery. I came back. My first match came back was against Cena once again on a pay-per-view. Right. Fourth of July. Flag versus flag match. I already knew I'm going to lose that. Of course. But it sucks when you've been away for four, five, six oh, months. Oh, I got you, yeah. You're coming back and you're just to lose, just to lose. Fine, it's Cena. He made me. I don't care. Beat yeah. me. Next thing you know, we're starting a program with Randy. And I know how that's going to go, clearly. 
and uh, he beat me one time in seven seconds. And I think that he had something with Aiden, and he got involved, and I beat him in like five seconds or whatnot. So in the next week, we're going to celebrate because the mayor of Bulgaria is going to give me the key of my hometown, Plovdiv. What's it called? Plovdiv. Plovdiv. Yeah, it's okay. the sixth oldest living city in the whole world. Wow. Yeah, yeah. How do you spell that? P- P-L-O-V-D-I-V. Oh, wow. Yes. I'll have to look that up. Uh, yeah. So... Here it is. They told Aiden about a day in advance. He needs to learn the Bulgarian anthem in Bulgarian. In, in, the Bulgarian? Li- in Bulgarian on live television a day ahead. <laughs> so those are completely different words, letters or whatnot. But the man is so good. He he did it. Like he absolutely he did it. Well, I mean, he didn't seem like he was Bulgarian, but half a Bulgarian, 1,000%. He did a fantastic job. Of course, Randy came in, dropped us. And that was supposed to be it. No Rusev Day plans whatsoever. But the next thing you know, these people started chanting Rusev Day. It just caught up for some reason. But why were they chanting? Where did it start? Oh, uh, because uh, Aiden was singing something. It's Rusev Day. It's Rusev Day. Because you're getting the key to the city. Yes, yes, yes. And from then, it just started. People started loving the Rusev Day. and, And that was it. It just started. And from then on, we were just trying to figure out what are we doing? Because there was no plan. They don't know what they're going to do. They, we just came back. Hey, we have this backstage. Cool. We go into the backstage. Then you have this other backstage. And I like having fun in backstages, especially at this time was, and I think becomes one of my best work is what I don't, it's not like I don't care, but when you have nothing to no lose. No pressure. Yeah, yeah, nothing to lose. Nothing yeah. to lose. Because I know what the thing is going. I just want to have fun. And I want the people to see that I'm having fun. Because if they see me, I'm pretty sure they're going to have fun. And that's what I did. We had fun. We're doing Rusev Day. I was doing silly stuff. And the next thing you know, it's all over the place. Next, uh, check the shirt. It was such a big thing because I haven't. I had one shirt probably before that, and it was when I first started. Nobody bought. You're a heel, you know. But didn't have just like a what was the shirt the, with a star? I was gonna say front. yeah. It was like kind of lame, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, so they gave me that shirt, and we did a whole segment revealing the shirt. We did a ten days of Christmas or ten days of Rusev Day. The song. And Aiden, of course, once again, he did a brilliant, he sang his heart out. We pulled the shirt, huge pop, huge pop. Next thing you know, the shirt sold out. And that's what I was like, okay, I guess we have something going. But I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I I never like to toot my horn. I don't want to be like, oh, look at this. Like, I'm not like that. Mm -hmm. Because I know it's all for the fans. Mm -hmm. If they don't care, they won't buy anything. So I go like, Vince, this is what's happening. These fans are liking it. They're buying the shirt. It sold out the first time. He's like, what do you mean it sold out? I mean, it sold out. We beat everybody in March. Oh, well, let me look. No, first he told me they're f***ing with you. I said, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, yeah, they're f***ing with you. They don't mean Rusev Day with a chant. They're just trying to f*** with you. And that's what I rebuttaled with the shirt. Where he said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll look into it. That's exactly what he said. I'll look into it. Conversation ended. Came back two weeks later. Nothing has changed. I'm still probably losing, probably not doing anything. Like Vince, this and this, the shirt again. Nothing came out of it. I don't. I'm still trying to explain to myself why, but I I can't. Mm. I can't explain to myself why wouldn't you push something that it's working? And I understand you have different plans. I understand you have different vision. But freak, man, just roll with the punches sometimes. And this is when the famous when Shane said, "Oh, we're listening to the crowd." Then the people started chanting Rusev Day. He said, "Duly noted." And the next thing, the next week, I think I lost again. 
And I think somebody put up a record. And, and once again, I hate winning and losing. It's not about that. But somebody posted a record between 17 or 18 until the finish. I think I've won like five matches. <laughs> and, and the people still loved it. And the final stroke, I think, was at WrestleMania with the whole city of New Orleans was chanting WrestleMania. Chanting Rusev Day. Uh, uh, yeah, was chanting yeah. Rusev Day. And they made me lose on, on you know, to gender on a U.S. title match. So he was saying that people are f***ing with you in chanting Rusev Day. Like, yes. it's, not like it's not like they're saying Rusev sucks. It's yeah. Rusev Day. It's, yes. that's, that was your saying. It's the so, moniker that we've been pushing. Right. So that's not that. Once again, in his mind, because he didn't want this, that's the thing that, that one, another one of the reasons why, why uh, thinking about it now, why, why I had to leave, not to get too far into it, but instead of, like you said, going with the flow and literally listening to the crowd, that's what the business is all about. That's why I just did 14 weeks with Orange Cassidy. When I first came here, I thought this guy, what a stupid gimmick. This is dumb. Why are we even here? Then listening, people love this guy. We have a chance to build him into a bigger name, a main event guy. Let's do it. Dude, th uh, 14 weeks. That's like three and a half months mm -hmm. with no people in the crowd, but I know they're watching at home because they like this guy. So if they're chanting Rusev Day, and I'm sure you've, <laughs> and the shirt is sold out, if, even if you think they're with you, here's, here's yeah. the proof right there on this sheet of yeah. paper. And that's a classic Vince when he just wants to get you out of his office. Yeah. And I'll look had, into it. He had his producers convinced that they're f***ing with me because they will come to me and they'll tell me the same thing. So I know now who's telling them to yeah, tell me the that. the fix is in, yeah. Yeah. And I, maybe I, I don't know if I f***ed up. We had a dark match before Mania and I got super kicked by the ref and I guess they got really mad about that. But once again, it's a dark match. And you know, mm -hmm. so if you guys don't know a dark match, you have TV SmackDown, Raw, whatever. And after that, you have the big non-televised match. The advertised match that people who come know at least they're seeing this yes. match. Yeah. Yes. So it's me, Baron Corbin, Aiden English versus the Usos and AJ. And we go out there and I had an idea of a super kick party where they'll super kick us three times in a row and then we'll throw Aiden English to get super kick. He rolls out, we throw him back and he gets super kick. People are loving it. Finally, all three of us roll in. We stare at each other. I think it's the Usos and the ref super kicks all three of us. And AJ puts the ref shirt, comes down and count. One, two. I kick out, of course, because I'm going to protect myself. <laughs> <laughs> but then we go to the back. We got yelled. We got fined. And they told me if I didn't kick out, I was going to get fired. Mm. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, so was Vince yelling at you? No, no, Vince, yeah. uh, Vince wasn't there. Vince left. Gotcha. Uh, whoever else was there, I don't know. They yelled at us. We had a phone calls. We had emails. We had another phone calls. Yeah. About what? I mean, listen. Even if they didn't like it, it's a dark match. Don't ever do that again. It was right. stupid. Right. Okay, sorry. Right. Yeah. Emails and phone calls and yeah. candlestine yeah. backstage meetings. You know, come on. And they made me lose at Mania three weeks later, which we had a four way. So there's three people that can lose. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it, but out of these four people, I believe I was the most over. Why would you make me lose? Like, what is that? What is that getting you? Because you had the audacity of having fun during a dark match for right? the people in the crowd, right? Yeah. And it's so funny because once again, there's such a the hypocrisy there 
where that's what they tell you to do. We've had meetings in the past where Vince like, you guys start to need to have more fun on house shows. Mm. If you feel like running in on someone's match, just do it. Just have some fun. We need more fun for these people. Mm-hmm. We need to leave them, have them go home smiling. You know, and that's yeah. what you do. Like I said, if it's so bad, just slap on the wrist. Don't do it again. Yeah. Sorry, you know. Yeah. And and how many live events we've seen? I mean, how many dark matches with Stone Cold driving down the chair, drinking beer, and and Triple H doing this, and and how many times you've done, or Shawn Michaels, or or the pull down the trunks with the flare, and the- yeah. He would have Hebner give guys stunners at the end of house shows, referees, you know? I don't know. I don't know. It's all situational. It's right. all, it is. It's not even situational. It's the person. Mm-hmm. If somebody else would have done it, might have gotten away, no big deal. But for some reason. And another thing, too, I just want to I remember you mentioned this to me, and then we'll, we'll, we'll move on. But didn't you also get in trouble one time for cutting your hair? I did. I did. So I'm, I'm a little rebellious sometimes. Mm-hmm. And when you f- put me too long... I'm just not going to take it. Mm-hmm. I'm, at the end of the day, I got here to live my dream. Mm-hmm. And you stopping me for it is going to come out of somewhere. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I just cut my hair. Because I had nothing going on. They were just beating me day in and day out. I had nothing. I'm going away with a shoulder surgery. And what is there for me to cut my hair? They come back for one match. They make big show chokes like me four times and punch me seven times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And they're trying to convince me it's for me to protect my character. Come on, man. Hmm. Like, I may be, I'm not that stupid. I know, I know. And it's okay. You can just tell me because I love Big Show. Like, he put me over when I needed it. Yeah. I have to put him over. Who cares? Like, I'm not that guy. Right. Just tell him. We need three chalk slams and a punch. One, two, three. Great. I'll do it. Uh, but yeah, they throw a big stink out of my hair. How dare you? How can you? Why didn't you ask? Sorry, I'll ask next time. Your final angle there was, was you mentioned the Lashley angle and with, you know, Lana's married to Lashley and it, it, that seemed like it got really, just really confusing. How was that for you, for you guys? I mean, this is your wife, you know what I mean? And you're actors, of course, but... Right, right, right. Well, so the whole angle started, again, out of nowhere. I was out. I wanted to leave. I wanted to take a break because I was promised meetings with Vince and with Hunter they flew me to Saudi Arabia to have meetings with them. That never happened. They threw me into a 60-man battle royal. Do you remember the original plan was uh, Vince called me and asked me to do a casket match with Undertaker? And then that's when I signed with New Japan. And then he's like, uh, he calls me, he's like, yeah, the match is off. Uh, the prince wants uh, Rusev in there. I'm like, oh, really? That's weird because you just said yesterday that you wanted You didn't care what the prince said. Well, it's the prince's fault. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> I was so happy so that so, so first the story is me and Taker right oh yeah it was you, they switched it to me and right. so they call me in the office I go in Vince says Miro I have you and Undertaker in Saudi Arabia like <laughs> and I'm going over right <laughs> that's what I said he's like he just looked at me and I don't even know what happened then I remember I left and Road Dog was like why did you act like this I'm like well he's f-ing with me I'm gonna f- with him what is the big deal no he that's a match. He booked it. I'm like, yeah, there's no way. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I felt so bad. Because I never thought I was into consideration of, of wrestling The Undertaker. He's another guy that I've watched since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I have such a huge admiration. I'm intimidated by that man. Like, when I see him, I'm like, oh, shoot, let me go yeah. the other way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not because he's a bad guy. No, he's, a he's the guy, Undertaker. But he's the freaking Undertaker. Yeah, yeah. So when we had that match and then... 
I think they changed it to you. And I was like, so bummed. I was like, come on, man. <laughs> like, this is my one time that I really wanted it. And I guess the prints, I think it was real. Because Vince then said, we had a group text, remember? Yeah. I think it was me, you, Taker, and then Vince. Yeah. It was like a group text. And I was like. The weirdest group text the ever. weirdest group text. <laughs> Vince put himself over. Oh, I'm the greatest river ever. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it might have been a combination of the two, but I know what it was. I know it's just because, like, I think I was on, I started, they put on Access TV because New Japan had a show. Mm. I know it was that. Mm -hmm. And if the Prince wanted it too, that's sure. But I, like you said, because he was. All four, like you said, that he he pulled his ribbing ways. Ah, I've got yeah. all you guys. Yeah. Ha ha. And it's like, maybe you know. Rusev wants to bury the Undertaker in the deserts of Saudi Arabia. Ha 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 ha. I'm the greatest river ever. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? So they flew you over to Saudi Arabia. Yes, for that meeting. They flew, but that's not the Taker meeting. That's not the Taker. That's way after it. So oh, the Taker another. thing happened. I had a time in my life once again. What is your four moves? Let's go out there and do them. Okay. I was like, all right, there's only 60,000 people there, but <laughs> yeah. Mr. Taylor, and I'm like, I'm a kid. I'm like, I go chase him. I'm like, is he there? Is he there? Like, I'm just pacing the room, <laughs> trying to find him somewhere to ask him for a spot. <laughs> no spot were given. <laughs> but he made it so much more. But even if I have to just think about, I mean, you've been there millions of times, uh, but being in the ring and hearing that dong, gong, yeah. And it's just like, it just gives me the goosebumps, man. It just, it's something as, as a wrestler, as a performer, when you hear that, it's it's real. Yeah. Like it's real. And when he walks down to the ring, he never turns his neck. I never noticed that. He walks straight, and when he walks up the stairs, like his whole body turns mm -hmm, from the walk. Mm -hmm. He never like looks around. It's just yeah. straight, straight. He gets it. He get, yeah. It's him. Yeah. It's just him. Yeah, when he comes in there, it's something, it's something else. There is nothing more beautiful than, I mean, probably Hogan when he goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you were supposed to have meetings with these guys. Yeah, I was supposed to have meetings with them. Nothing happens. Mm -hmm. I go to Saudi. Nothing happened. They threw me into a 60-man battle royal. Uh, they threw me over the top, whatever. And I was just done, man. I was just so tired because I keep getting lied to. Like, I'm supposed to have these meetings and somebody to hear me out and see why. What am I doing that it's not working? Yeah. None of that time was given to me. And I, we got the plane. We landed in the States. And I said, Mark, I'm going home. He's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm going home. I just can't do this anymore. You promised me one thing. Like, you couldn't deliver that. You took me out of vacation for this meeting. But instead of a meeting, you just throw me in a match. And now you can't even fly me back home to Bulgaria. You want me to fly to the States? And I did that. I was just like, I'm just done. I'm going home. No, no, let's wait to get to TV. I'm like, no, Mark, I'm not. So I just left. And I remember you did one time the same kind of thing. And I was like, I just, because yeah. sometimes enough is enough. Mm -hmm. You can only take so much. And I left, and I stayed home for three or four months. And I think Paul Heyman called us with that story. And and I was like, where is he leading? Of course, because this is my first question. It, cool. It, it, it's not my favorite story, but where is he leading? Main event of WrestleMania. One of the main events of WrestleMania. When you hear that, what are you going to say? Okay. There's some plans for this. There's plans. And it's this is September, October, whatever it was. So it's a few months plan that it's very realistic. Cool. I jumped on board. And I knew it was a red flag since the beginning. I knew that. So I was hiding in the bus. Maria Canetti is going to do a promo of her, who her baby daddy is. And then my music is going to hit. And I expressed that. I said, this is going to confuse everybody because they're going to think that I am the baby daddy, which is not even remotely, like, it's not even part of the story. Mm -hmm. But once again, they wanted that specifically because I'm pretty sure it was just for, just for not for the pop, but for the people to talk. Mm -hmm. And I came back in 
Knoxville. Knoxville. I love Knoxville. Fine people, Knoxville, but I get your point. You it's can wait Madison one Street. week yeah. later, we're going to Chicago. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there is Knoxville, me came back, nobody cares, whatever. But we still, we, we did turn it around. I think because the story was good, it was very controversial. But it didn't turn around once again until I started having fun. I just, I started playing like the crazy guy because Paul Heyman was telling me, you, you don't care about her. You are so over it. You just want to have fun. You're fine to be away. And we got there eventually. But at the other side, the other camp, Vince, is thinking the complete opposite of why you're smiling, why you this, you're heartbroken. So now they can't get it together between each other. And I'm stuck in the middle. Right. And at the end of the day, when everything was said and done, they went all for me. But then during the period, I guess Vince loved Bobby and his heat mm -hmm. and decided him to beat me every night or whatnot. And that's what happened. Yeah, You're the guy who got his wife, you know, stolen, yeah. and then you get beat up every night. That's what I was talking about. Confusing. And they that wanted me so to sense. have uh, erectile dysfunction. No. Yeah. When remember I was a sex addict. Oh, that's right. The original plan was for me to be a, a erectile dysfunction. God. And again, that's just stupid. It's a serious problem. If you guys have that, it's a serious problem. I understand. But if you're a baby face and you're on TV, that there's no, I mean, what, is, what I can't prove that I'm, that they're wrong, that she's lying. Right. I can't be whipping out my thing and be like, look, it's not true. Yeah. Once he said it, it's done. In these people's eyes, I'm just going further down. Yeah. And, and I asked Paul, and he's like, well, you should go and talk to Vince. And I went in and talked to Vince, and he changed it, thankfully. It's, that just doesn't make any sense at all. That's something that's like, yeah, and then I'll have erectile. I remember one time me and uh, uh, Christian were doing something with the Dudleys where they stole our clothes and we had to walk around raw wearing towels and it was actually a really great bit but then Bubba opens our our, our gear bags and throws out our stuff and and, he's, and then in yours there'll be some some women's underwear I'm like so what does that mean like like you wear women's underwear I'm like that's stupid he goes why because like, it, it's stupid now I'm, now I'm a, a, a cross-dressing guy who's supposed to be a heel yeah yeah. Like, does it make I was like absolutely not? And he also wanted us, uh, Spike Dudley, to pull our towel off, and, and we were and want us to be completely naked. Mm. And I'm like, dude, we're in front of kids. Like, yeah. I'm not a male stripper for one for two. There's kids out there. He was like, you don't want to do it. I said, absolutely not. Yeah. What do you suggest I do? I said, give us little uh, skin colored g strings and yeah. put that Japanese thing over top of when you watch a porno in Japan where you can't see anything because it's all. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but like, it's easy to fix. Mm. Sometimes he gets these ideas, like you said, this is brilliant. And it's like, yeah. come on, man. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, what were we saying? We were just talking about how the, the angle and you're supposed to have erectile dysfunction. Oh, the erectile dysfunction. So we did those promos and the, I had so much fun doing those promos because it's me and my wife. And yes, they're giving us words, but we're manipulating the words to come from true feelings or whatnot. Just to be, because we both, moved to LA to attend acting classes mm -hmm. because we wanted to get better at this. And I think we did it to a T. I played the, the broken down husband. I lost the thing about 30 or 40 pounds and I got very skinny. I had a mustache and I was trying to play the role because this is what I want to do. Every time they give me something, I want to turn yeah. into it. Like I yeah. want to become it. It's a good way to be. And I feel like we did that. And unfortunately, at the end of the day, one of us lost our jobs. What was the name of your character when we did the uh, South... Paul wrestling. Oh, uh, Bartol Big Bartholomew. Big Bartholomew. I, I, I was Clint Bobsky and you were Big Bartholomew. I remember Clint Bobsky. So Big Bartholomew, I got Bartholomew from, 
Don't Be a Menace, the movie. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, Don't Be a Menace. Like so the old central. OG, his yeah, name was yeah. Bart- Bartholomew. You better come here, clean that room. And I was like, oh, Bartholomew is my name. <laughs> so just the uh, last few questions here. So now that we're here in AW, and obviously you're very happy to be here, and it's just early on, but what are your goals here in the company? Straight to the top. Yeah. Straight to the top. I have one goal, and I know I can achieve it here. Because once again, I know I'm good. I know what I, I know. I know what I can do. I know what I can give to this company, and and I think it's time for us to go mainstream, man. Like if I have to shoot, like let's just shoot. It's time to go mainstream. Like I love Johnny Moxley, but Johnny Moxley has thirty thousand Instagram followers. You know, we need some of us. They mm-hmm. have more. We established more into the internet space and to the overall community outside of here to just take out the dinosaur because mm-hmm. the big corporations are coming. Because mm-hmm. you're really into Twitch. I love Twitch. Yeah. I love Twitch. I, my, my wife got me into social media. I'm big on social media, uh, YouTube as well. And because this is the way of the future. The, the way of the future is the internet and any place or any time or anyhow you can promote yourself and the company, more people are going to see it. And I think that's what I can offer a lot better than well you have a huge mm. following clearly but i think um i think maybe two or three after you so mm. i think this is what we can provide and no i can provide this and also we're looking at the characters on tv i don't think they have anybody like me they have big guys but i think we're completely different big guys mm. but yeah but until then i'm just gonna enjoy kip man because kip is a great kid mm. kip is a great kid he wants to learn he's really good and he's got penelope they're in love they're gonna get married and we got, very similar to your your situation. Very you know, similar. Get to, to be on TV with your wife. Yeah, and that's why, I talk, like, somebody asked me about advice. It's just you gotta you gotta love your life first, love your wife first, and a lot of people are gonna come and try to tear you apart or whatnot. But you just gotta you gotta stick to your love, man, because love will save the world. <laughs> Last question for you: What's your favorite match that you ever had? Is there oh, one that stands man. out for you? Oh come on! Um, favorite match. I don't know. I really like me and Roman in the hell in the cell. That was a good man. He's great. Man. I love working with Roman. Oh, Roman is so good. I I mean, we had the chemistry. Him. And I think that was at a time when I was, I think it was on top of my game. I felt so comfortable. Mm. You know, when you feel just so comfortable, you don't have to talk. You don't have to call. You just know. You just feel everything. And that's what I felt. And, and that match, it was so much, so much fun. I think if there's one that I, without thinking, that would be my number one. Well, there's plenty more to come, man. I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we'll actually get to have a match. Have we ever had a match? No. Maybe a tag team match or anything? We've, I thought we had a tag you were a referee one time. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. That's where Vince wanted to be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to be the guy from uh, Naked Gun. Like, yeah. hey, you're out of here. Oh, so good. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thanks, and welcome to, uh, welcome Thank to you, AEW. Sir. Thank you.